Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education by Kate Colbert and Joe Salustio with contributions by Elvin Freitas is now available for pre-order on Amazon. Get your Kindle edition or your softbound book. It's going to be amazing. From personalized video to wear and share technology, MDT Marketing's suite of student journey solutions are designed to simply deliver wow moments that boost engagement and conversion rates at targeted milestones in the student journey. Try them for yourself at mdtmarketing.com. Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to head up here on the EdUp Experience Podcast, where we make education your business. Dr. Joe Salustio, back with you on episode 1000. No, we've only done about 470, but we're well on our way to 1000. And uh, we've interviewed somewhere around 160 college presidents. That number is about to go up by three. Yes, I said it. Overwhelmingly, three college presidents have shown up on this podcast. I'm overwhelmed by incredible insights that are about to take place uh, and at the mercy and honor here of the people who are joining me. Um, I'm going to try to ask good questions. Uh, it's going to be remain to be seen if I can accomplish this feat of asking uh, incredible questions to this group of college presidents. I'm going to bring them in one at a time, and I'm going to ask them how they're doing and where they are. And here we go. Here we go first. Let's see who I got first. Let me make sure I got all my stuff right. Ladies and gentlemen, here she is. Her name is Chris Kuberski, and she is president of Highland Community College. Chris, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you. All right, Chris, I'm going to ask you to go first here before I bring in my other guests. Tell us very quickly about Highland Community College, where you're located, what you do, and how you do it. So Highland Community College is a rural college in northwestern Illinois. It's in Freeport, Illinois, which is about two and a half hours west of Chicago. We are um, bordered by Iowa and Wisconsin. And um, we serve a, a very ag pro community and we have a lot of small feeder schools. So we are um, very personable in what we do because we have such small schools that we work with. Many of our students are college now students and dual credit students. So we have a very strong college now program with about 30 students in it last year, which when we're, you know, our, our head count is hovers around a thousand right now. So when you have 30 of those students um, as high school students, that, that really does change the dynamic, I think, of our classrooms in a good way. Our, our focus, our premier programs are ag and nursing. And we also have very strong programs in criminal justice, welding, manufacturing, as well as transfer. And um, I would say about 50 to 60% of our students are transfer. The other 40 are career tech. Um, one of our focuses right now is on culture work. We're working with culture partners to improve our culture. And that clearly aligns with what we're hearing at AFIT this week. So amazing. It's amazing. I know, see, that's my voice. I, amazing. No, it's not. It's not really my voice. Uh, Chris, thank you for that. And uh, let me bring my other guests. And here we go. Uh, guest number two, ladies and gentlemen, here he is. He is Dr. Kirk Overstreet, and he's president of John A. Logan College. Dr. Kirk Overstreet, how are you today? I'm good, Joe. How are you? Tell us a little bit about John A. Logan College, where you guys are, what do you do, and how you do it. 
So Johnny Logan College is also in Illinois, but we're about five and a half hours south of Chicago. So we're at the very, very bottom of Illinois. And we are what I would consider a semi-urban or semi-rural uh, community college. We actually uh, have about four counties that we serve. Four, we're two main counties and then four other splinter counties pieces that we, we serve. But we're right down the street from a major university, Southern Illinois University. And so there is a, a, a bit of urban um, center that we're, we're close to. Um, our total population though of the region is about 140,000 people. So it's still a very small area when you consider um, where we are. Uh, we're a comprehensive community college. Um, like, like Dr. Kaberski, we have uh, basically, you know, welding and the CTE programs, the, uh, we do a, we have a big nursing program. We also have, um, quite a bit of transfer. Um, I think, uh, we're, I'm brand new to this role. I'm actually well, brand new. I'm a year and a half. I still feel like I'm brand new. Um, but, uh, I've been in community college for about 12, uh, 15 years and, and higher ed for about 20 now. And, so it's, uh, but we're going through changes, um, obviously coming out of COVID and then coming in to uh, a new presidency, bringing in new ideas and working on our enrollment uh, and, and our diversity issues. So we're really, we're trying to, trying to do a lot of that work right now. So coming to the AFIT conference uh, and doing the work that we're doing here about culture is really important to me. My PhD is in organization development, so that it falls right into my suit. So it's really been a great, a great experience. Thank you, sir. All right. F uh, last but not least, certainly, here she is, Dr. Lisa Ryan. She's president of Yavapai Community College. Did I get it right, Lisa, or did I get it wrong? You did. You were really close. Lisa Ryan, <laughs> president of Yavapai College. I just started my fourth year there as president have 33 years in higher education, working at uh, three universities and three community colleges. Yavapai College is a rural community college located in Prescott, Arizona. We serve a vast service area in Yavapai County, the size of the state of New Jersey. We have six locations, including two campuses and four centers. And we serve 7,000 four-credit students and additional 3,000 non-credit. We have some unique programs in viticulture and enology. We have a 12-acre vineyard, and we show students how to grow grapes and make wine. We also have a brewing technology program and a gunsmithing program. And this year, we started a 3D construction program where you use 3D construction using concrete to build homes. Did you so say you had a, a, brewing, of, a brewing program? We do a brewing Cheers. program. I just I had to do it. I had, I had to do it. Um, had to do it. So okay, so this is really interesting, you guys, because we have um, you have a pie that's basically in one of the meccas of higher education in the country, right? Arizona and the Phoenix area has more some of the biggest colleges uh, that you can imagine. We have a semi-rural institution. Um, and what uh, uh, Dr. Chris, you classified as a rural institution. And so I'm going to ask this to all three of you, but I'm going to go backwards this time, and I'll start with you, Lisa. Um, there's, and, I, and I talked to this uh, in the last episode a little bit, the, the kind of cognitive dissonance that exists uh, around community colleges right now. That is that community colleges have never been more important, and 
the stigma around community colleges has never been lighter than it is now. I think that that comes along with the importance and people wanting to upskill and reskill. Seeing community colleges as an as a pathway to education without truckloads of debt. So there's great reasons to attend a community college. At the same time, many community colleges are having trouble with enrollment. So it's this kind of funny spot um, that community colleges are in just a little bit. Um, can you speak to that, Lisa, related to uh, where you are in Arizona? Yeah, so it, you're right. It is the era of the community college. We, for the first time, are, are earning the respect that we've deserved all along in providing opportunities and access at low cost to high quality educational experiences that either lead directly to a job, importantly, supporting our economy immediately, or to a transfer program. Uh, so yes, uh, it is the era of the community college and we're, we're thankful for that. We're starting to get some recognition from the state. Oh uh, yeah. For that as well. And they're uh, putting money in the game. Uh, we're all funded differently, uh, state by state. So that's a little different for each of us in the game. Um, but uh, we are seeing uh, enrollments that are flat at best, uh, and we're all struggling to attract students of any kind at all to education right now. I think that's true across the board. We're also seeing in the labor market the same issue where employers can't find people for entry level jobs or jobs where individuals are retiring, you know, the, the aging out of their, their populations. So we're experiencing it and so is the workforce and it's one of the biggest challenges that we face as presidents i'm sure Eric, same question to you what's this this cognitive dissonance that exists how important are community colleges and how do we get more students in them you know so I, one of the great things right now is that we <clears throat> we've just been given the ability to do short-term sorry grants <clears throat> and scholar yeah that's Sorry, okay. My... You know, this happens on the Edup Experience. We all get sent up <laughs> from time to time. You got to let it out. We're going to skip you while you skip take me. a moment, and we're going to go over to Chris. Chris, same question to you. How do we get around this cognitive dissonance that exists? Well, I think if we had the answer to that, we would probably um, not be here. We'd be on the road telling everyone else. But um, one of the things that... It is that... a million-dollar question. Yes, it is. And, and I believe that it resonates with with all community colleges, whatever, whether they're urban or rural or, or what, you know, whatever mission that they have in their own communities. But one of the things that um, we see, we've recently finished our strategic plan and, and we're really focused on stressing that comprehensive community college that Kirk mentioned and the fact that um, we offer so much more than just the classes you know, in, in the classroom, we also have the wraparound supports. We have the, the people that understand financial aid and the people that understand first-generation students. And we have people who, who understand the workforce needs and all of those things. And, and we've had that for, for years. My, my question always is, why don't people better understand that? What have we not done to get that message and make it clear to our communities? And one of the things that Highland has just launched is a new branding campaign. And we worked with a company called Interact. And, and I believe that what we have is our new brand. It says it's all here. And it has been, but we need to make sure that people understand it still is and it will continue to be. 
And so somehow that message, I think, has to um, be shared more broadly, even though we're receiving funding and federal recognition, I still don't think people understand the quality that we offer and that it's not second to, you know, second to the university. It's really even better for many of our students, particularly who don't know what they want to do or have short-term goals, who have family responsibilities and all of those things. So how we continue to send that message, I think, is really a challenge to, to help people better understand what we really do offer them. Incredible. What I like about uh, what you said is the, the you brought up branding. That's important, right? We still have to go. We have to go get the students. They, you know, I always I've said in a couple things I've said lately in talks I've given that if you build it, they will not come. You need to to go find the, the students and we need to convince them because it's not just, you know, it, it, you know, for the, your competitors in your area, it's very easy to know, okay, it's, it's easy to understand that for student, the student we're competing against this other institution. That's easy to understand that that happens in any kind of industry. But when you're competing against the question of whether the product has value or not, which is happening to all of us within higher education, it creates that cognitive dissonance because you're not just competing against another institution, you're competing against the thought that maybe higher ed just doesn't, isn't worthy anymore. Kirk, how do you deal with that at, at John A. Logan? So, you know, one of the things we're focusing on now is to, to help explain to our students and our, you know, particularly like our, our returning adult population, what this is going to do for you economically over the next 20, 30 years. You know, you can, you can get a good job making decent money right now, but without that degree, you're not going to get to that next step. So your earning potential really goes up the further up the chain you go. And just with an associate's degree, you, you increase the amount of economic generation that you're going to be having over your lifetime, like threefold from what you would for just a high school degree. So it's, it's messaging, I think, to, to Chris's point. I mean, we're, we really need to rebrand and re-message what we're, what we're saying to our folks about why you should come to college. You know, we want to be two things. We want to be a place where people can come back and upskill and learn Level what up. they need. And then we want to be a place where people come and learn to grow. And so uh, the best thing about being in a community college is that we do it for the community. So it's not just those traditional age students and it's not researchers. It's a whole gambit from one to 99. You know, you know we bring in everybody at, at, from the senior level to, to kids that are still in high school, kids that are in junior high. So you guys are at AFIT summer session. Um, you're with learning partners. I know that the focus is happiness and culture. Lisa, over to you. What are you hoping to learn, to take away and bring back to your organization? Where are those points where you say, yeah, we, we need to strengthen culture here, or we need to bring more value here, or we need to understand employees' emotions more here? What, what's the hope as you interact with your colleagues and, and hear the learning partners uh, give talks about happiness and culture? Yeah, so this year we're talking about that intersection between strategy, culture, and leadership and with a focus on belonging. And just by chance, we completed a new strategic plan with four pillars. One of them happens to be belonging. And so we're trying to further foster that sense of belonging, not only amongst our students, but also amongst our employees. And looking at the great resignation, the great quit that everyone's talking about, and having 
difficulty finding talent, not only in local industry, but in our own organizations, we're here having conversations around that. And I think the, the beautiful thing about the model here at AFID is that in order to stimulate that organizational change, they have us bring teams of, of staff and faculty with us. And it's a team-based learning approach that that use design thinking frameworks to solve an immediate issue. So we're all facing the same issue together and we're trying to figure out within our own organization how we might walk away with an action plan to begin to further uh, more uh, sense of connectedness, relationships and belonging amongst our employees and our students. MDT Marketing helps colleges and universities like yours Boost your enrollment automation campaigns by infusing your content with wow. moments via solutions like personalized video, which weaves personalized data into video content to deliver one-to-one -one video communications that boost engagement with your student contacts. But you've got to try it for yourself. Visit mdtmarketing.com, then select personalized video from our menu. Student Journey Solutions from MDT Marketing. Wow! Moments simply delivered. Um, Chris, uh, over to you here. And in, in, um, I like what you said, Lisa, because of the team approach, it's really important to involve, you know, as a president, and I know that you all are always thinking about transparency and shared governance and inclusion and belonging amongst your staff to bring you ideas and thoughts and so on. And so that, that uh, uh, crowdsourcing solution as it were is really important in solving problems which high red isn't necessarily known for uh chris we we're not known for solving lots of problems we like to uh, as funny i was like writing an article today which somebody nobody will ever pick it up but i was still writing it um but talking about how sometimes committees can be this black hole of conversation and nothing comes ever comes out of them so how do you take the learnings uh, from the day and apply and solve a problem versus, you know, we, we do tend to attend conferences in higher education, we learn things and, and we don't necessarily go and fix them. But that's what AFIT is, right? It's about innovation and transformation. Where do you take the learnings from to innovate and transform? Well, Highland has been involved in some um, in-depth culture work over the last two years. So I think what what we're thinking about in our team is how we continue the momentum that we're seeing and and add the elements that we're learning here, take them back to share with um, what we call the president's direct report team and then cabinet and then, you know, beyond that to campus and and keep that momentum of culture because it it is so vital. And one of the things that resonates with me is that if our students don't sense that we get along and we're supportive of each other as um, employees and staff and faculty, they will feel that and it will negatively impact their experience and their level of engagement on campus. So not only is it critical for us as a workforce to feel connected, but it's important for our students. So it's not just about us as employees, but it resonates to our students. And so how do we make the, our culture more supportive for each other so ultimately we can be more supportive of our students? And I think um, to take that back, part of it is to stress the common goal that we share, student engagement. I don't think anybody who works at the community college is opposed to student engagement. And so how do we use that as our kind of collected uh, goal 
And if we can have that focus on that collected goal, then it seems to me that we can um, embed these ideas and these principles throughout our culture and really strengthen it long-term for the sake of the institution, but even more importantly, for the sake of the student. Kirk, uh, uh, Chris, Chris said something that I really liked, which is momentum. I've, I've been in hired for about 20 years, and I'll tell you guys, I don't know if you feel the same way, but sometimes I feel like may, maybe my team's doing okay, maybe they're not doing so well, maybe they're doing very well, but even when sometimes when my team's doing very well, I get a feeling like so, something, I need to do something. So the momentum is a feeling, it's, it's a feeling that comes to you through staff, through students, and when you have that feeling, it seems like everything is just better a big part of creating that feeling and creating momentum is happy employees. When the employees are happy, they're more engaged and the students are happier and so on. Um, and we're in a place in higher ed where it's really hard to find talent and really hard to keep talent. Is that something that you're facing at your institution at John A. Logan? And oh, I, I, what do we do about that? Cause that's the other million dollar <laughs> question. So that, that it, that's interesting. So, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in continuous improvement. So that momentum is that bringing this back and the way that we're working on that, and then we do have that issue. We have uh, a dwindling talent that we're going to be able to, to, to focus on. Your retirement's coming up. Uh, we live in a smaller area that's not going to attract people to, to move to that area. So we are developed, a, I developed a leadership academy. So the group that I have with me today is two of those folks are going to be the leaders of the next leadership academy. We're going to have two cohorts of the leadership academy where we bring this out to our staff, we're gonna take what we learn here, we're gonna bring it to them, we'll massage it a little bit, change it, you know, direct it a little bit towards um, exactly what we need. Wonderful. <laughs> and then use that to really launch and, and create, you know, uh, a, a really healthy bench for us to, to pick from on promotions and move people up in the institution. Yeah, so the question to all of you, in, in a time where we know that the value of uh, of, of happy employees and engaged employees, engages students and, and, and balancing that with employee losses. Sometimes um, there's this question of, do I backfill? Do I have the budget to backfill? Do I, what do I do? Do I have the money? Do, you know, cause in a declining enrollment situation um, or a flat enrollment situation, you have to watch the numbers pretty close. Um, Lisa, over to you, what, what, what do you do? You know, um, and, and how closely do you balance the numbers with the feeling of momentum? I think you have to find creative ways to do that sometimes. Uh, we've struggled too, particularly in the career technical areas to find qualified individuals to come and do those jobs because they can make so much more money in the field and we can't pay those, those salaries ever. Uh, so we have to find creative ways to do that. We've talked about possibility of growing our own talent within uh, taking our own graduates and getting them uh, the skill sets they need to move into those roles. Uh, but you know, if I had the answer, I, I'd share it. Um, I, I definitely think uh, we have to just be creative in doing that and find ways sometimes to piece it together. In rural Arizona, we have three institutions that are not um, close together by any sense of the imagination, but we've even worked to share some faculty uh, that maybe come once a week and teach at each institution and then are virtual at other times. And so we've tried to piece it together, some talent in creative ways, but it's not a long-term solution. 
Yeah. Chris, talk about anything that you can think of innovatively at your institution that, that, um, uh, that you feel is contributing to the culture in a positive way, happiness in a positive way that's made a difference for your institution at Highland. One, one of the things that I think kind of dovetails with what Lisa was saying is we, we had some programs that were declining and they, they needed to be sunset and we were able to repurpose those faculty members. Um, one of them was our hospitality instructor. He's finishing his MBA and is gonna become a business instructor. And the other was our auto body instructor who's um, went back to school and is now our full-time welding instructor. I would like to think that those kinds of reimagining positions and programs um, would would help build the trust that we are wanting to um, fully develop the people that work with us and cultivate them, not not shun them because their program declined for reasons outside of their control, but we valued them as people, we valued them as instructors, and so we're finding ways to reuse them. We've talked a lot about reimagine on our campus and how we not only reimagine um, our spaces, but our culture and how important that is for the longevity of the institution. So I'm not sure that that immediately answers the question that you raised, but it, it's a connection that I, I thought of as we were talking that much of it is, is showing value in the people. And I think the, the culture work that, that we're doing, the fact that we're talking about it and that our employees know that we want to build trust and that we're focused on building trust is going a long way in helping them see that we do care about them as individuals. We care about them as a team and we care about what they're doing to help serve our students. And I'm seeing that that's starting to resonate, but we've been on this path for two years um, and it's just now starting to be discussed more openly. And you're hearing some of the buzzwords and some of the you know, things that, that we're focused on in, in our cultural beliefs. So the message to me has been, you can't let, you can't take your foot off the gas pedal yet. You've got to keep put, keep pushing it, keep it in front of everyone, keep showing why it's so valuable um, because it, it's, it takes quite a bit of time for that kind of shift to occur. So don't, don't lose heart in, in, in watching it go slowly because if it's moving at all, you're making a difference. And just for the record, there is no answers to any of the questions that I ask because they're just horrible <laughs> questions in the first place. But if we any of us had the answer, we'd have, you know, a million students in our institution, wouldn't we? I mean, that's the point is it's, it's grit and it's creativity, it's good leadership, it's surrounding yourself with even better people to support your leadership and so on. And it's, and it's uh, sometimes on the spot decision making, Kurt, and I'll, I'm going to come to you for this one because I, you know, I, I, I know you all deal with this. And it's um, uh, balancing culture with expense, with enrollment. When one takes a hit, the other can take a hit. And how do you ensure that you maintain mission um, amidst declining, uh, increased expense structures that are created from declining student enrollment, but not change that mission to achieve some other goal and, and change the, the trajectory of the university complicated question I know see there's no no answers but it is balance and balance is uh, one of the most important management items as a college president I would think yeah no that's uh, that that is the that's a hard question 
um, it is, it's definitely balance. And it's about, it's about looking and seeing what we need to do now and what we need to do in the future. So, you know, when I arrived at my college, the, the culture was kind of shocked because there had been a riff about five years before. And so we'd lost a lot of employees to that. And we lost a lot of employees to early retirement. And so I had to make some decisions about really backfilling and getting people back into place because we were falling apart. We weren't able to do the job. So you have to have that balance. You have to try to, to get to that. So building in some stability, uh, building in that idea, of, uh, building the trust with people again, that's been important. But looking at it financially, um, you know, we've had to make some hard decisions about how we're going to spend and what we're going to spend and, uh, and, then, and then try to be as even keel as we can across the board uh, without, you know, without falling those or failing those, those programs that will really be beneficial to us. And, uh, you know, I, I think being innovative and thoughtful about how we're going to attach these programs, the short-term certificates are really a, a new thing for us that, that we're able to do. And I think that we've, we've had to look at that and COVID gave us some uh, examples of how we can use hybrid and online to help our students and increase our your revenue and, and move forward. I know one of the biggest benefits of uh, the Alliance for Innovation and Transformation Summer Session or anytime uh, you all are able to get together in person is learning from each other, knowing, oh gosh, yeah, we deal with that too. And we're all dealing with what the future of higher education looks like. And that's going to be my final question to each of you. And I'm going to quote you and put you all over social media and, and tell everybody that you have the answer. No, I won't do that. Uh, Lisa, tell me what you think is in the future for higher education. Ah, I think we've been predicting for some time now, for at least a decade, that higher education, even community college education, needs to change dramatically. That it's not necessarily what uh, individuals are buying anymore. And the pandemic really accelerated that kind of thinking uh, to the point where we're dealing with that today. And we're having hard conversations, even here at AFED, about what are the challenges that are, are before us? We know that we can't go back to where we were uh, pre-COVID. We know that it's different right now than it was, but we also don't know what it's gonna be like tomorrow. And so we're in this really strange position for the first time. Uh, lucky us that we get to be presidents at this time in this era. Uh, you crazy people, same, you crazy presidents. <laughs> the, just the, um, the challenge before us is great and it's and it's going to be a dramatic change a significant change to higher education we know that we don't know what it's going to look like but we're here for the ride and we're all about leaving students better off than when they came to us that's what we do access and opportunity and we'll continue to ride that wave and and do what we can to serve and support our students moving forward yeah, you guys have a t probably the, you know, a look, a job of a college president is always hard, but I, I would think that it's been really hard the last couple of years and will be really hard. Um, it's not like COVID just goes away. People are going to be dealing with the effects of COVID and then you lay on top gas prices and you lay on top inflation and you lay on top of that all, of, you know, rising the cost of housing and um, you know, we talk about it all the time. One little fender bender for an adult student attending community college becomes 
the conversation of leaving college or staying in college, and that's how you save students. Chris, what do you think about the future of higher education? What are we looking at? Well, I see, our, you know, to me, where we are sitting right now is the brink of opportunity. Um, and I'm not sure what it's gonna look like. I believe it's gonna have to be a lot more flexible and a lot more adaptive uh, and much more um, student, student oriented as opposed to faculty and staff oriented. I think this, many of the structures that have been in place for the last 100 years are being challenged and we have to be willing to let go of some of the things that um, are, are structured in higher ed and be more have more agility. I don't know what that looks like ultimately, but I, I know it looks different. And I, I think that if we're willing to embrace it and, and not be afraid to fail when we try something and it doesn't work, that it, it will be a better learning environment for everyone. I think it will be much more inclusive and that we will maybe, um, someone said today, be better at meeting our students where they are we like to think that we do that, but I question if we really do, um, or I think we did much better at it during COVID, our initial response. So how do we hang on to that? We also found that we can change on a dime um, and higher ed has not been known to do that. So one of the questions that I have asked uh, repeatedly through this is how do we keep that? How do we keep that responsiveness and that willingness to say, okay, we, we can do that as opposed to, there's no way or how, how could we do that? Um, so how can we do that is really the question. We don't have the answers, but if we're willing to uh, answer, ask that question and think about it, then I think we'll find innovative ways to meet the needs of, of the students that are very different now than they were even a year ago because of their, the impact, the long-term ripple um, of, of COVID. And one thing that dawned on me just this past, um, semester was that the students that are coming to us this fall were basically freshmen or sophomores when COVID happened. They did not have a traditional high school experience. How can we make sure that they have a fulfilling college experience? Will it look the same as what it did three years ago? I don't think so, but how do we make sure it's the experience that they need to set them up for success? So maybe if we ask that question, we will then see what higher ed is going to look like in the future. 100%. Oh, the crowd agrees. I, I will say, uh, you know, Chris, one thing that you said, that the elasticity of higher ed, that's, it's, you know, your higher ed naysayers will say, our innovative institutions and community college are going to go right back to what they were doing before now that COVID is over because, because it's elastic and there's still inertia internally and it's going to be easy to kind of fall right back into the seat. Kirk, is that what you see for the future of higher ed? Do you see something different? No, I, th I think that we're we're here for that very purpose. I think we we I think as the presidents that, that are here with me, I think the teams that are here with me, we realize that the agility is the important piece that we have to we have to embrace. We have to help our cultures understand that agility, and that 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 constant change is going to have to be something we we deal with now. We cannot go back. We can we can't go back to a, a 1,200 year old institutional sort of way of doing things. Um, with all the pomp and circumstance, we, some of us still love it. I mean, we like to get on our, our robes and our caps and our gowns and, you know, and march and then, and that's always a great and an important piece of what we do. But 
we have to we do have to be the adaptive and we have to we do have to meet the the students at where they are and i think chris and, and lisa both said that i think that they're right on the money we have to change in order to be able to provide what we do best for our communities and our students so we can still do the best thing for them we've got to get we've got to get it to the place where they understand it now and and you're right um and chris again and, and lisa both some of these students have never been in a traditional school since COVID started. So they're having a whole new experience and we have to, we have to come to that experience with them. Well, I have only one thing left to say. I like you people. I, you guys are great. Um, I think we got through this, all four of us together. Um, hopefully my questions weren't too terrible. Your insights were much better. And let me outro you guys appropriately here. Dr. Chris Kuberski, she's president of Highland Community College. Dr. Kirk Overstreet, president of John A. Logan College. Let me continue my applause. And Dr. Lisa Ryan, president of the Yavapai Community College. Did you all have a good edup experience today? Yeah. Excellent. Fabulous. Thank you. Well, I thank you guys for taking time out to talk about your institution, to talk about your great work that we also uh, very much respect you and what it takes to serve students in a community college environment here at the Alliance for Innovation and Transformation Summer Session in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you guys, you've just add up. MDT Marketing helps boost the performance of your student nurturing campaigns. Let's say you have a prospective student who hasn't yet committed, so they get moved into your marketing automation workflow to start receiving emails, text messages, and other communications to nurture them towards enrollment. The problem is most content applied to nurturing campaigns is just not compelling. And even if it is, even compelling content needs a little boost to make sure your message truly engages your prospective students. This is where MDT Marketing comes in. From personalized video to wear and share technology, MDT Marketing's suite of student journey boosts are designed to simply deliver wow. moments that boost engagement and conversion rates at targeted milestones in the student journey. But you've got to try it for yourself. Visit mdtmarketing.com, then select personalized video from our menu. You're going to love it. Student journey solutions from MDT Marketing. Wow. Moments simply delivered.